they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. show each week on Tuesdays at noon and so I guess they're having some issues with it, you know which one is going to be but next week it'll be right but you're you're on the right station it's the Bible with the barbers we're here and we're here and we're happy to be here with you and thank you for wanting to study God's word what a great blessing that is to do that and Mary Danielle I know we have Ephesians chapter 5 to talk about at you know Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 I'm sorry Galatians chapter 5 and we also always start with the gospel. It's a short gospel, but it's a powerful gospel from the daily readings of Mass. Absolutely. Today's gospel is from Matthew eight twenty three through 27. As Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Mm-hmm. Suddenly a violent storm came up on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But he was asleep. They came and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're mm-hmm. perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this, whom even the winds and the sea obey? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the beautiful thing, this gospel, it's a parallel, actually, with the the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Mm. Jonah and Jesus both get into a boat. Jonah and Jesus are both on the sea and are the, the, the sea is hit with a violent storm. Jonah and Jesus are both sleeping in the boat. <laughs> Jonah and Jesus are both surrounded by frightened sailors and who are calling on the Lord for help. And, and in the end, Jonah, the, the sailors in both instances are amazed at the result. Now, Jonah was running away from God because he was a prophet and he was supposed to go tell the Ninevites to repent. And he didn't want them to do that because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Jonah, being a prophet, knew that God was raising up Assyria to, to chastise the Jews for their infidelity. He said, well, good, then I, I'll just I'll let God wipe out Assyria. <laughs> we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> and that didn't work. But, but Jonah and Jonah's sleeping, but, um, and, but instead of, it's not Jonah who calms the waves. In both instances, it's God who calms the waves. Jonah, in Jonah's instance, the waves were calmed by Jonah being thrown overboard. Mm. And the sailors begged God not to um, punish them for taking this man's life. They don't want to take an innocent life, but Jonah says, you have to do this. So they, they do, and, and everything's calm. And then they pray to the God of Jonah. They're like, whoa, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who, with his own word, calms the storm. And he calms the storms in our lives with his own words, too. And we need to trust in him even in the midst of darkness. And it's interesting. What does he say to his apostles? Why are you frightened? Oh, you've little faith. Does this maybe have an, an application to our time? Oh, yeah. Are, are many people frightened? They have little faith. And, and what do we have? Exactly. Where are we looking for our answers? Yeah. Oh, Government. maybe the election, the politicians, nope. the government. Oh, maybe the World Health Organization. Some people are looking to the United Nations. Um, anybody but God. 
<laughs> it's like, who can solve our problems? And we're looking everywhere but where we need to look. We need to turn to the Lord and not just, you know, God is not a first aid kit. He, he's not the parachute that you hope you never have to use, like Bishop Sheen said about prayer. You know, it's, most, most people look on, look on prayer the way an aviator looks on a parachute. They know they have it there, but they hope they never have to use it. You know, <laughs> the parachute is there for the aviator who's like, not for the sky jumper, for the aviator. Yeah. It's there in case his plane gets shot down or his plane malfunctions and he has to jump out mm. and save himself. He has a parachute. So he hopes he never has to use it. Well, don't be like that with prayer and don't be like that with God. He's always there and he's not there for us to use. He's there for us to call on as a loving father who's looking over us and wants what is best for us. And what is best for us? If souls are saved, everything's saved. If souls are lost, everything's lost. Is Bishop Sheen's the wisest guy in the world. Yep. No, that makes sense. And, and you know, Mary, I mentioned it on the Terry and Jesse show that this lack of faith how do we have strong faith? You need to ask every day for it. Exactly. It's not, if faith is a gift, it's a gift that you received in baptism. And it's, it's true that it can be lost. It's not once saved, always saved. We have to continually go back to the Lord, repent of our sins and ask for the gift of faith. It can grow. Then it's, it's that too, the, the, the faith, gift of faith can grow. We had a certain amount of faith as a child we had a certain trusting relationship usually with our parents and God. And then sometimes we get, we get into sin as teenagers or young adults, and then we get jaded. And then we say, well, you know, it's more fun to sin. And, and God's just trying to, you know, put a damper on my fun. So why should I follow him? And, and we lose our faith. Yeah. You know, but by the way, you don't need faith to know that God's, God exists. And I want to make this very clear. Sure. It is not an article of faith that God is. Okay. The pagans all knew that there is a God. St. Paul makes it very clear in Romans that from the good things that God created, from the beauty, the order, the goodness, the, the truth that we see in creation, we can know that there had to be someone who created. You know, a Swiss watch doesn't come together by you taking all the parts and throwing them up in the air, you know, thousands and millions of times and hoping that they'll all fall together right once. No intelligent design there had to be a designer behind it and and you don't need faith to know this now there's a lot of things about god you need faith to know but he's given you the gift of faith in baptism if you're baptized and if you don't weren't baptized and you want the gift of faith ask for it lord i want to believe in you i want to know your joy i want to know the love that you have for me reveal this to me and so jesus is there he has power over all the elements because he's god yeah He's God among us. He's just truly Emmanuel, God with us. He has power over all the elements. So he can calm the storm. And the same in us, you know, the storms in us. There's, there's not just the, you know, the literal, literal historical application here. You also have, you, you know, the moral application of, um, we have St. John Chrysostom tells him that the wave-tossed boat signifies the struggles of the Christian life. Mm. So this idea that we're going to go through life without struggles, uh. no, that's, that's not Christian. Jesus didn't come to remove human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. <clears throat> the Lord is with us in our sufferings. Endangered by the wind and the fierce waves, God's people are awakened by the spiritual assaults and become aware of their helplessness. Mm. Are you feeling helpless? Are you feeling despair? Are you feeling a dark cloud over you? Then turn to the Lord 
You're in a good place. Mm. Lord, I can't do this. Mm. I ask you, Lord, to guide me and to take possession of my life and take me along the right path and be my strength and my courage. Be there for me. So when we're in that, and we call upon the Lord for our salvation and our inner peace, mm. the near presence of Christ assures their deliverance and his swiftness strengthens their wavering faith. He's with us. He's waiting for us to call. He wants us to call on him for You know, help. Mary, some of the spiritual writers have talked about this, saying that so, there are so many people who don't give themselves to God because they falsely think, and I say falsely think, that God can't take care of them. Amen. And I really think that it, you know, Bishop Sheen always says, you know, that you know, the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. So I would just encourage folks who have sons or daughters or anyone you're dealing with, your own, your own, yourself including, is to really trust God. Give him an opportunity. Amen. You know, because if you don't, you'll never know. Exactly. And so I'm going to challenge everyone, especially Amen. if you've been away from the church for years, uh, not going to confession, maybe even months because of the pandemic, right. of COVID-19. Right. Find a place. We here at the Sacred Heart Chapel right mm -hmm. now, three o'clock every Saturday for two hours, our priests hear confessions before the vigil mass. But you can call a parish and, and if they can do it, if they don't, Call another parish. Be perseverant. Persevere. Persevere. There and there are parishes who have scheduled confessions, yeah. and there are parishes that say the confessions will be heard by, a, you know, by appointment. So right. call and make an appointment. And the reality is, is that when, when we aren't availing ourselves of the sacraments, mm. we do lose graces. We do. Even, you know, yes, God can work outside the sacramental system, but the normal way for him to work is mm -hmm. with the sacramental system. And, um, you know, someone observed this to me oh. um, the other day that, you know, ever since they closed the churches, it's like evil has exploded in the streets. There's a connection there. Do you think maybe that they're, yeah, seriously. When people pray, when they go to church, and Betty Brennan told us this years ago. Betty Brennan, Betty Brennan? Betty Brennan former was a former witch, witch and yep. I don't mean that negatively. She actually was a Satanist. Yep. She had been unwittingly dragged into Satanism, but she became a witch. She said she did everything short of human sacrifice, um, moved up in the upper echelons of witchcraft, mm -hmm. but... She was freed from that. And she said that in the old days when people were living sacramental lives, yes. when they were going to confession on a regular basis and not that. going to Holy Communion every Sunday just because they went to Mass, but they always went to confession first, the Satanist had to go out in the woods and hide. Satan had to go out and hiding. Now he doesn't have to hide. Now he's in the public square. Now you have your first church of Satan. Now you have your teachers, your psychiatrists, your doctors, your nurses who are Satanists. Father Ripperger, an exorcist, yes. commented on that very point, saying that there's a reason why Satanists are so powerful right now. He said because people aren't frequenting the sacraments yeah. and the graces are not there. So as you just said, the, the Satanists are the exorcist said in the past, in the old days, when people were living a sacramental life, they had to hide. Exactly. And they, they couldn't yeah. come out in the open. Right. But because of lack of faith, lack of participation in the sacraments, you're giving Satan free reign. Yeah. So get back to the sacraments. Let's hey, adore Jesus in the Blessed Catholic. Sacrament, go to Mass, yep. and go to confession. Yep. Go to confession. <laughs> when we come back, we'll continue uh, here at the Bible with the Barbers. Also, just a reminder, Bishop Strickland showed me. We're going to be going to Fridays. Uh, so we just want you to be aware a week ahead. 
here, and we thank you for your patience to switch to Fridays with the podcast. We'll be right back. Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I stand, you know, I sit corrected. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, I mentioned that next week we'll have Bishop Joseph Strickland on Virgin Most Powerful once a week. His time will be our time right? from the past year. Now we're going to move to Thursdays at 8 a.m. Right. But I realize many of you listen to us on podcasts, and that's probably the most convenient way to do it. But right. just so you know, we'll do live 8 a.m. shows. Uh, that'll be starting next week. Next week, correct. Yeah. Right. And Bishop so, Strickland will be on next. Instead of seeing us on Tuesday yeah. at this time, it'll be Bishop Strickland. You, right. you'll, you won't want to miss that. No, no, he's, he's awesome. going to be great. Yeah. And just to remind you about it, because if you know of other Catholic radio stations who want a really strong bishop to speak strongly on the faith, to teach the faith, and contact us at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. The show is already going to over 100 new stations. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. God is good. So we want to look at Galatians 5 here today because we want to know, are we living in the flesh or are we living in the spirit? And it's interesting because in Galatians 5, 
Paul talks about Christian freedom. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, in specific reference here, he's talking about circumcision. And in the old law, of course, the, the Jews had to follow the circumcision, the dietary laws. There were things in the Old Testament that were provisional. And they weren't part of the moral law. They were part of the covenant law that God made with, with Abraham and um, with Moses. And so Christ would be the fulfillment of all of that. And so when he came, the church, inspired by the Holy Spirit, understood that the law of circumcision and the dietary laws, and, and granted, you know, God had to be very, very direct with Peter. Peter had a vision that, that Christ made him understand that um, the dietary laws were no longer in application and also that the Gentiles were welcome into the church, mm. that what God had made clean wasn't to be called unclean and that the Gentiles were to be welcomed in. Because at, at first, the apostles thought that the, this was, yeah, the fulfillment of Judaism and therefore that the gospel was only for Jews. And um, Jesus had to make a vision to Peter in the Acts of the Apostles to help him to understand. And so there, there's the, you know, there was the trouble in the early church about the Judaizers who wanted, um, they wanted everybody to become Jewish. So everyone to accept circumcision, everyone to accept the dietary laws, everyone to accept the sacrifices at the temple. And, um, it, you know, there was the big discussion about that, but the church is saying no. But what is Paul saying here? He's, he says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Mm. So Take this isn't faith, faith working. working through love. Beautiful. So this is not this is not faith alone. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Paul never wrote faith alone. Right. The only the only place in the New Testament that said faith alone was in the letter of James, which says you are not saved by faith alone. So faith alone is insufficient to justify the sinner. If it stands by itself and fails to join with love in acts of generosity and service, it is empty and vain. And you can see 1 Corinthians 13, 2, and James 2, 14 through 26. So the parallel passage here to, to um, Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 6, is Corinthians 1, 7 through 19. And in that passage, it asserts the irrelevance of circumcision and it suggests that Paul associates the labor of faith with love, faith and love, excuse me, faith and love with keeping the moral commandments of God. And Jesus says that too. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He practically equates love with keeping the commandments, with obedience to the commandments, the 10 commandments of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love has precisely this focus in Pauline theology because this is what Christ taught. He didn't say we don't have to obey the commandments anymore, but there were things provisional in the Old Testament mm -hmm. that weren't going to have to be followed, and circumcision was one of them. So what happened under the old law <laughs> is that oftentimes the Jews thought that just by following the law that that's all they had to do, that just the external practice was sufficient and what Christ came to teach is that he came to renew us from within. We're not dunghills covered with snow, as some thought. We are renewed from within. We're transformed by the grace of God into living images of Jesus Christ, who obeyed his father, 
and kept the commandments. And he kept them perfectly, the Ten Commandments. So the moral law is, has not been done away with. It was the provisional dietary laws, the law of circumcision, the law of animal sacrifice. Those were provisional in the Old Testament. And so they become, they're not, they're not absolutely necessary for salvation. These were provisional things that were passing away that in Christ they would be fulfilled, completely fulfilled. And so the, 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 the freedom that we're called to, okay, for you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, be servants of one another. So we're called to a freedom, a freedom that is not licensed. Jesus isn't freeing us from the moral law. The Ten Commandments were given not as suggestions. They're like the owner's manual. St. John Paul II in Baltimore, 1979, said freedom is doing the right thing. Right. Freedom is doing the right thing. And, and so you, and, and <laughs> the Ten Commandments were given by God not to restrict our freedom, but right. to make us truly free. Right. You see, when we indulge our flesh and follow our passions, we're not free. We're slaves. Mm-hmm. We're slaves to our flesh and to our passion. God made man. He's man's a very complex creature here. We're 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 not angels. So we're not just pure spirits. Right. And we're not just animals. So we're not just a body, okay? We have a spirit like the angels, but we have a body. So we're an embodied spirit, and we're, we're body, soul, and spirit connected, and it's not, we're not dualists, okay? You can't say, oh, well, in my, in my spirit, I, I renounce sin, but with my body, I'm going to practice fornication, you know? But, but in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking good thoughts, and no, it doesn't work that way. What I do with my body affects my soul. Amen. And so we have the commandments to teach us how to live in the freedom. And that freedom means a service in love. Are we loving our neighbor? Mm-hmm. It's like James will say that in his letter. He said, don't tell me you're loving your neighbor when you see him hungry and, and no, having no clothing. And you say, oh, be warm and well fed and, and have a nice day. Yeah. But you provide for his needs. Exactly. You serve him in love. And this is Paul is telling us. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, so it's not faith alone. It's a faith working in love. And how are we going to know? How are we going to know? What are, what are the fruits? What, is there a way? And again, if we go back, it's like, well, okay, so this is one letter of Paul. Is this anywhere else? Well, it's interesting. Do I know for sure that it's sin that Jesus Christ came to free us from and, and not a freedom from following the moral law? Brothers and sisters, Romans 6, 3, and 4, and then 8 through 11. It's this, the, the second reading from this past Sunday. Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. If then we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more power over him. As to his death, he died to sin Hmm. once for all. And as to his life, he lives for God. Consequently, you too must think of yourself as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. So it's not 
we're not dead to the moral law. We're dead to sin. And to not keep the moral laws to sin. When we don't do the will of God, when we, we do what is opposed to the will of God, that's sin. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from this tree. They hung around at the foot of that tree, kept looking at it. You know, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty nice. And of course, then the enemy gets in there and he's like, yeah, it looks pretty good. looks pretty nice, doesn't he? Isn't God such a liar? See what he's keeping from you? He just doesn't want you to have the knowledge that he has. Oh, yeah, you know, hmm. And they start coveting a knowledge that God told them was not for them to take for themselves. And they covet it and they take it for themselves. The knowledge of good and evil, right? But they disobeyed, didn't they? They just, they sinned. They did what was wrong. And that's, God calls us to live in the freedom, but that freedom can't be lived if we're allowing sin to rule us. Makes sense. When Cain was being tempted to kill his brother Abel because he was jealous, you know, where do jealousies and strife come from? You know, obviously it just comes from the fact that we have different color skin, right? Mm, no. Or because there are different classes of people in the world. Uh, when was the first murder? Well, Cain killed Abel. They were brothers? Yeah, they were brothers. You know, and it goes on and on. Go through the Old Testament. Joseph's 11 brothers sell him as a slave to Egypt. Well, not 11, 10 of them. Reuben didn't. Reuben was going to storm to his father, but the others sold him before Reuben got back. Reuben went for a break and he was going to come back. But it starts with sin. This, this, and this is what oppresses us. It's not other people who oppress us. It's not the oppressor against the oppressor. It's me being oppressed by sin, and the sin is within me. Because of original sin, I still have the effects of it. It's easier for me to do evil than it is. As a matter of fact, I don't need anybody's help to do evil. I can sin on my own. I don't need the devil. He didn't make me do it. But I can't do any good without God's help. Mm. We have to humble ourselves before God and admit that we need his help. This is what we have to constantly cry out for. That's the, the apostles in the boat. They had to admit, Lord, save us. We need your help. And so we keep the moral law because it pleases God and it gives us freedom. It makes us free. We're not free when we're sinning. We're not free when we're out in the streets rioting and hurting people and destroying other people's property. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's anarchy. That's chaos. That isn't freedom. And by the way, that is not how this country was founded. Nope. Yes, yes, there was the Boston Tea Party. But to compare the Boston Tea Party with the riots in the streets today, I think is a, a gross um, <laughs> distortion of history. And people, if you want to know the history, go back and read the documents. Don't listen to the news media. Don't listen to the television. Don't, don't even trust some of the history books. Go back and read the actual documents that were written. And, and the, the, but the point of it is here, we have to live in love, serving one another in charity. So it's not about skin color. It's not about class struggle. It's about living as children of God and being living images of God here on this earth. That's right. and, and in the next part of this letter, Paul is going to tell us, he's going to show us. Do you want to know if you're living in the flesh or you're living in the spirit? I'll give you a litmus test. I'll give you some things that you can... Think about and decide. Well said. I'm going to have to take off and make some calls for the Bishop Strickland Hour. Because awesome. that's coming next week at this time. Then we're going to move to Thursdays at 8 a.m. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. It's Galatians chapter 5. 
falling in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, through reading his word, God's word. We'll be right back. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Healthcare news today seems to be coming from everywhere and everyone. It's confusing, at least, and untrustworthy at the worst. Dr. Asetta is a faithful Catholic in the Kern County community. He is trustworthy, well-researched, and will only give expert opinion on matters in his own specialty. Catholic teaching at its entirety is of utmost importance to Dr. Asetta. Give Dr. Asetta a call for your obstetrics and gynecological needs at 661-695-6617. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Bible with the Barbers. Next week, um, at this time, instead of Bible with the Barbers, it will be the Bishop Strickland Hour. And the Bible with the Barbers is moving to Thursday morning at 8 a.m., so just a heads up on that, everybody. We're not we're not um, cutting out Bible with the Barbers. We're just moving it to a new time. We're making room for Bishop Strickland to come in. I, you will love Bishop Strickland. Go ahead and, and tune into that program. It, it's awesome. Bishop Strickland is great. So we're talking here about Galatians 5 and what is Paul telling us? Are we living in the flesh or are we living in the spirit? Well, how do I know? I'm, you know, whatever. I'm, I have to live in the flesh, right? I have to live in this world. And that's true. You know, man is a very complex creature, body, soul, and spirit. He, he's not an angel, and we don't need to live like the angels without, a, you know, pretend like we don't have a body or we don't have bodily needs. Um, but we are supposed to live like the angels in um, our prompt obedience to God's will. That's how we're supposed to imitate the angels. But we can't be an angel. We will never be an angel. We will always be who we are. We're made, and that is we're men. We're humans and humans have body soul and spirit and so on this earth how do how do we measure so saint paul goes on in cha- in verse 16 of chapter 5 of galatians and he says but i say walk by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. What's interesting is even Socrates, even the Greeks knew this. Socrates taught people this in, in ancient Greeks. And if you know, Socrates was from Athens and the Athenians put him to death because he went around preaching that, um, he went around teaching, excuse me, he was a philosopher. And in his study of philosophy, he had come to know that God is real and that God is one and God is totally other. And he came to realize that the gods of the Greeks, these Greek gods that they worship, these are false gods. All of their gods are immoral. Uh, they go around uh, with jealousies and strife and quarreling and um, adultery and all of these, all the sins that men commit, the gods commit. And so Socrates told the people, no, God is one and he is totally other than us. And if we want to truly come to know him, we have to live a disciplined, virtuous life and not give in to the lusts of our flesh. Gluttony, the intemperance, lust, sexual lust, sexual excess, drunkenness, orgies, a party spirit. Um, no, this is, this is not, and this is, this is before Christ. This is a Greek philosopher who lives among pagans, and he came to this through the, the use of his intellect because he lived a disciplined moral life. He didn't allow himself to overindulge in food and drink. He didn't allow himself to indulge in sexual excess. He had a wife. He didn't participate in the homosexuality that was rampant in his society. He lived a moral, upright, virtuous life. And so, yeah, when we don't live a moral, upright, virtuous life, the difficulty is that when we do not live as we believe, we begin to believe as we live. So if we're not living a moral, virtuous, upright life, then the, like the Greeks did, they created gods who, well, the gods, you know, they're worse than we are. So it's okay if we're, we're doing these things because the gods are doing that. And, you know, it's interesting in our society today, we have that similar thing. Well, you know, God really doesn't mind. He understands if we sin. He knows we're weak. You're right. He knows we, we're weak. Look at the crucifix. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. So he paid a debt he didn't know. God became man and he died on the cross. And, and uh, you know, if, if, if hell weren't real, why would he have gone through so much suffering? And if heaven wasn't truly love, then how could he so manifest so much love? Oftentimes people think when they look at the crucifix, God is looking at them and saying, oh, you know, look what you did to me. Look what your sins did. Oh, you're awful. You're bad. No. Jesus Christ is looking at us with eyes of love and he's saying, I love you this much. If you were the only sinner, I would do this for you. He didn't tell the good thief on the cross, well, you know, you did a lot of stealing and don't, don't expect to get off the hook so easy now. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. And before he even said that, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. So what does living in the flesh look like? Well, if we're just giving in to the, the desires of our flesh, we're not living by the Spirit. When we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are plain. And then Paul, he's going to tell us right out. He's not, not going to mince any words. He's going to be really direct. And this makes us uncomfortable because it's like, you can't be serious. I can't really live. Yes, with the grace of God, we really can live in that. Do we believe? Are we like the, the apostles in the boat? Lord, Lord, we're, we're going to sink. We're going to sink. And I was like, well, don't you trust me? Don't you trust that I'm bigger than the temptations that you experience? Don't you trust that I'm bigger than the, the disorder and the ugliness in this world? There's a lot of ugliness out there. Evil is rearing its head and it's telling us you can't win. You know, you can't win like Goliath who laughed at David. You can't win. Or, or when, when Jesus asked the apostles for the food to feed the crowds. Well, Lord, we couldn't buy enough food with 300 day wages. Well, do we trust God? Do we trust him? What did David say to Goliath? You come at me with all your armor and your knowledge of military. I come at you in the name of the Lord whom you have insulted today. And David had a sling and a stone and God gave power to the hand of David, which made the stone take Goliath down. And then David went over. David, who was too small to wear even Saul's armor and Goliath was much bigger than Saul. David went over and takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. Um, yeah, God gives power to us to overcome sin. Goliath morally represents sin, sin taunting us. You can't overcome me. Like God told Cain when he was thinking about killing Abel, sin is lurking at your door, but you can be its master with the help of God. So what is it? What are the works of the flesh? Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissensions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. And a lot of people, you know, they start to read the list and they're like, well, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, I'm not any of those. And idolatry, well, I worship God. And sorcery, I'm not involved in that. And then they get to this part, enmity, hmm, strife, oh, jealousy, oh, anger, oh, selfishness, oh, dissension, oh, party spirit. Hey, what are we living for? The tw late 20th century, well, actually since the 1890s into the 21st century. What is it? Party hardy, right? Let's all have a party. Let's make life a party. Isn't life a big party? Really? Well, that, that party spirit is opposed to the spirit of God. That party spirit is making us slaves of the flesh and having us live in the flesh. Envy. Are we envious of anyone? Oh, we're going to come and take what's ours from you. Oh, you worked for it and you, you paid for it, but now it's ours because just because you have it and I don't. So now it's mine. That's called envy. Drunkenness. Drunkenness is a sin. It is a sin to get drunk. You know, the buzz, that's a sin because you're giving control of your will over to a substance. You're, you're no longer allowing your intellect to lead you to God. You're saying that alcohol is, or if you're abusing some other substance that's taking away your will, that that substance is what's going to give you happiness or make life good for you. And it's a lie. Drunkenness is a sin carousing and the like.
I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said that it's difficult to get to heaven. And if you don't think it's difficult to follow him, he went up Calvary. He carried his cross. He suffered. He was tortured. He didn't come to remove human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. We do not have to allow sin to master us, but we can't do it on our own. God never expected us to do it on our own. Why did God become man? Why did Jesus Christ establish his church? Why did he establish the seven sacraments? We need to get to confession. And you know what? Just keep calling the priests and asking. They're supposed to be making appointments at least. And some parishes actually have scheduled confessions now. There are confessions at the Sacred Heart Chapel on Saturday afternoon from 3 to 5 before the the 5 p.m. vigil mass. And then on Sunday morning from 8.30 to, you know, about five minutes to 9 so Father can prepare for mass. But he will. And sometimes, you know, if he has time after mass, he will hear confessions if there's still people to go to confession. And there are other parishes that are, look it up, look online, look at parishes in your area, call parishes in your area. Father, I haven't gone to confession since the lockdown. I want to go to confession. Remember, we don't have to wait till we fall into mortal sin to go to confession. All right? We need to use confession. It prevents us from falling into sin. It gives us the courage to stand against temptation. When we don't have God's grace, we're weak and vulnerable. We can't do any good without God's help. We don't need the devil's help to sin. We are inclined to sin. We are inclined to evil. We are, we are oriented away from God because of original sin. And even though baptism removes original sin, it doesn't remove its effects. So we have a lifelong struggle to turn ourselves back to God every day, one day at a time. I turn myself back to God today and I don't worry about tomorrow. Yesterday I give to his mercy. Yesterday to his mercy, the future to his providence. Right now, right here, I live in union with God, live in the presence of God, practice the presence of God. Remember that he's with you, even if he's sleeping in the boat. It's dark times. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. A lot of people are scared. By the way, don't fear death. Someone, there was a line in a movie one time, don't be afraid of dying. Be afraid of not living life to the full. Living life to the full is living in union with God. Be afraid of not living in union with God. We'll be back in just a few minutes to um, finish up this study on Galatians. I hope that you enjoy the word of God and that it moves your heart to a deeper union with God every moment of every day. Thank you and thank you for your support. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand.
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in, for joining us, staying with us. We're talking about Galatians 5 here, and how do we know if we have the works of the flesh or the works of the Spirit? In the last section, we talked about the works of the flesh. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking of one another, no envy of one another. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, does that mean it's automatic? Oh, I'm baptized. I received the Holy Spirit in baptism. I received the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. I received the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. I received the um, uh, cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Um, So automatically, I'm just going to have all this, right? No, we have to strive against the sinful nature. You know, original sin, we still have the effects of original sin. So it's still easier for us to sin. But we have to work for it. And the first one, the first fruit, the first, it's funny, it says the fruit of the spirit. It's a single, as if it were a single entity, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all part of the same spirit is love. And again, love, and you can go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read what is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not put on airs. It is not jealous. It is not rude. It is not selfish. It doesn't rejoice in the wrong. It rejoices only in the right. So, and the joy, the joy that Paul's talking about here isn't, isn't human happiness. It's that joy that comes. It's the joy that Christ had on the cross. The joy that comes in the midst of suffering, that joy that comes from union with God, 
There's a peace deep within the soul. And there's a joy even in the midst of suffering. And even more in the midst of joy. <laughs> but it's not necessarily, it's not the emotion of happiness. It's a deep rooted within the soul joy of living in union with God. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So what do we do when we find that, yeah, I have this temper or I'm impatient or I'm, you know, I get upset with people. I, I come in the room and I mean to be nice and I just cause a fight. I didn't mean to, but I said something that hurt somebody. And well, we have to examine our lives and we have to ask the Lord. And it's like being in the boat. Like, Lord, everywhere I go, I cause a storm around me. What am I going to do? Surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be the person you want me to be. I want to be a living image of you spreading love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So live in me and shine through me. Mother Teresa had that beautiful prayer. She always say, and I believe it came from John Henry Newman, radiating Christ. You know, um, Jesus live in me and and shine through me so to shine that others will see the light. The light, oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be for me. It will be you shining on others through me. And, and to radiate Christ wherever we go. And so we strive for this. When we fail, it's not about beating ourselves up and, you know, it was cute. Father said it in his sermon, you know, we have the, the ER complex. I'm no good. I can't do anything. Oh, da, da, da. Well, you know what? Who's, who are we focused on all that time? I, 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 we're not seeing God. And believe me, the enemy wants us there because if we're focused on ourselves, then we're worshiping ourselves. That's a form of idolatry. Even if we're being negative about ourselves, you know, it's thank you, Lord, for what you made me. Thank you for the good you have accomplished in and through me. Thank you for letting me know your truth. Thank you for letting me know that I can live in freedom, free of sin. So we rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks and ask that the Holy Spirit be a stir within you and he produce his fruit within you. Ask for it. These graces are ours for the asking. Go to confession. Whenever I find myself not being loving and not being joyful, not being peaceful, not being patient, not being kind, not being good. I mean, use this as our examination of conscience, right? Um, you know, was I Im immoral, impure, licentious, idolatrous? Was I a sorcerer? Did I dabble in sorcery? Is there enmity within me? Is there strife within me? Is there jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, a party spirit? Drunkenness, carousing, they're sins. They separate us from God. And if I refuse to at least strive to practice love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if I practice self-control, these other things come along with it. What is the self-control? The self-control is giving up my own will, renouncing my own perfect paradise and admitting, you know, okay, I have an adult in my life that I don't like the way they're living. So I'm going to be really nasty to them. And every time I see them, I'm going to make a snide remark and say, you shouldn't be living that way. And maybe I don't even think that. Maybe it's just that every time I see them, I'm like, eh, you know, I think I need to correct them. 
Well, wait a minute. If you corrected them once, let it die. Every human person has to choose God freely. You can't force anybody to choose God. And you know what? By being mean and nasty and always making snide remarks and derogatory comments, you're not going to win anything, anyone for Christ. You're going to drive them away. So be gentle with people. Support them in the good that they do. Whatever good they're doing, acknowledge that and support them. Be kind to your family members. By the way, Satan wants to tear the family apart. And that's a big of what's going on in our society right now. You know, there are certain groups out there and they put it on their website. One of their stated purposes is um, to destroy the nuclear family. Well, excuse me, God made the nuclear family. It wasn't man's idea. You want man's idea of family? Oh, multiple wives, you know, children all over the place, whatever. No, God's idea is one man and one woman faithful to each other for life and accepting whatever children God sends to them. In God's plan, and part of God's plan, by the way, was nursing the babies, which would naturally space them. So we have to go back to God's plan and start living it fully. And part of that is we need to renounce all of this provoking one another, the self-conceit, I'm so good and everybody else is so miserable and they're all a bunch of jerks or whatever people call them names. I'm not even going to say some of the names you hear people call other people. It's like, no, no. You know, it's like the hatred that's spewed out about our president. Look at the good that he's done. And yes, he's done a lot of good. And let's rejoice in that good and thank God for it. And let's pray for him to be a good upright leader. He has tried so hard to give human life a chance to restore the dignity of human life in our country. And, and, and what's the result? Some people are so angry with him that they want anarchy in the streets. Well, that's, that's not from God, honey. Not from God. We all have the common enemy. We have a common enemy, the devil. He's God's enemy. He's our enemy. He hates us and he wants us in hell for all eternity. And yes, hell is real and it is eternal. There's no getting a soul out of hell once it's there. There's only snatching a soul out of the devil's hands and saving him from falling into hell. So we need to take God's word seriously and really strive to live in his grace. Humble ourselves every day. That's why, you know, Terry and Jesse always talk about the daily examination of conscience. Go to confession at least once a month, more frequently if you need to. If you have trouble with, you know, keeping your patience or, or being kind and you're really trying, but there, there are issues, you know, we can have issues from past traumas that make it difficult for us to be pleasant with other people. And we don't mean to be unpleasant. We start our conversation very pleasantly and then somebody says something or does something that, and we just, all of a sudden there's this anger that wells up in us. We need to ask the Lord for help, humble ourselves before him. But for anyone, you know, whenever any of us starts acting in self-conceit or starts provoking someone else or or is envying someone else, we're in the wrong. So read this section of Galatians, especially 16 through 25, 26, and make it a real examination of conscience. And um, I want to, there's a prayer here from St. Well, I guess he's, I don't know if he's St. Venerable or um, Blessed or Charles de Foucauld. I guess you can't really see the picture because of the lighting. But Charles de Foucauld was a Frenchman 
whose parents died when he was very little and his grandparents raised him and his grandfather couldn't bear to, to discipline him. But his grandparents had a lot of money. So Charles grew up with quite a bit of wealth and no discipline. So as a young man, he, was, he had the party spirit. He was licentious. He was indulging in immoral behavior and impurity. And he finally um, went into the French Foreign Legion and in, in North Africa, he discovered that there were people who needed service. So he went, turned back to Christ. He was, he'd been Catholic, but he had turned to this sinful living, went back to France, um, became a priest, and went back to North Africa to serve the Muslims, the poor Muslims in North Africa. And he eventually was martyred at their hands. But he, he wrote this prayer. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself to you, surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. And yes, God is our Father, and he loves us. So let us surrender ourselves with boundless confidence into his hands. We want to thank you again for joining us here on Bible with the Barbers. Next week at this time, the Bible with the Barbers won't be on. It will be the Bishop Strickland Hour. And then going forward, Tuesday at noon will be the Bishop Strickland Hour. The Bible with the Barbers is moving its time to Thursday at 8 a.m. I do have my Bible studies going again Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. in the chapel. Anyone who's local and wants to come, you may come. And also again on Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock, we are doing Bible study again on Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for your support. Especially thank you for your prayers and sacrifices. And let's really pray and turn to the Lord and trust in his mercy and goodness. Like the apostles in the midst of the storm. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? God is still God and he loves us. He's still watching over us. May God richly bless you and your family and may you know the love of God poured out for you in Christ Jesus. Justina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.